do you start to replan an entire Olympic Games? What's the impact, not only on athletes, but coaches, administrators, support staff? And what about accommodation and training facilities already booked? And why do a handful of British athletes already know they're going to the restaged Tokyo Games in 2021? But the majority won't find out for many more months. Hi everyone, I'm Catherine Granger, Chair of UK Sport, and you're listening to the Medals and More podcast. I am thrilled to be joined today by Mark England. Um, I know him well uh, for many, many years. We've shared many Olympics together, although Mark has been to not just five past Summer Olympic Games, but also the five past Winter Olympic Games. So he's made it up to, ratched up to 10 Olympic Games in his career so far. Uh, it was due to be 11 this summer at the Tokyo 2020 Olympic Games, where he was due to be chef de mission. But as we all know, that has now been postponed. There will still be the Tokyo 2020 Games in 2021, which we'll all get used to. Uh, but Mark, first of all, explain to people the chef de mission. It's a name that within sport we're very used to using, but out with sport, it's perhaps more unusual. What does it we, re- we generally refer to you as the chef, uh, but clearly you've never made me any food at all in all the years we've known each other. So what does the chef de mission really do? Well, it's um, it's a, a French term uh, and it, technically it means head of delegation, Catherine. And, and um, you know, I've been very fortunate to be invited uh, to have that position in, in the Rio uh, Olympic cycle and, and again in Tokyo. Um but it covers such a, a you know an enormous facet of um, of issues and 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 challenges in many ways. But but it's it's uh, essentially it's the head of the delegation. So it's the head of the British Olympic team, um, and uh, a great privilege it, it is too. And you've had different roles. You've been chef de mission. You've been deputy chef de mission. You've done different things across the the games we were referring to. If you look back now, what stands out for you in that in that incredible career? I've been sport in many respects. I think Catherine because. Um, you know, you, you have the luxury as um, as chef de mission of of being able to support the team, and 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 therefore, um, you know, you have a, a terrific seat at the table in terms of you know what you actually witness. Um, one of the greatest um, opportunities, I think, for anybody involved in in Olympic sport is the opportunity to see elite athletes train at very very close quarters. So. You know, I can I can recall, you know, from from a matter of um, two or three feet, standing at ringside watching Amir Khan train as a 17-year-old in Athens, uh, fantastic athlete and 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 such power in a, in the in a young lad. Um, but um, you know, it, it's um, it, it it's a bonkers world in many respects. Just you know, th- that whole environment. You know, you get five years to plan a campaign. And um, and there's so many aspects of that planning campaign. You're building a, a, a team. You're building the culture of the of the um, the delegation, and 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 really trying to design how you have um, 28 or 33 sports gelling into you know the one team GB that that's all familiar to, to many people now. But you have all 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 of that and the opportunity to um, to design effectively the um, your response or your national Olympic Committee's response to a presentation in a moment in time, whether it's, you know, Sydney, Athens, Beijing, London or um, uh, or Rio de Janeiro. You know, you're designing the delegation's response on behalf of the athletes and the performance of the athletes against that footprint in country. And that's the challenge and that's the, 
the piece that excites me most you know whether whether you get it right and you don't know whether you've got it right until until the end of the games and and we've been very fortunate as a combination of factors in the in this country whether it's lottery funding whether it's the way that national governing bodies spend that whether it's the dedication of the athletes or whether it's the the boa or indeed the british paralympic association footprint in country you don't quite know whether you got it right until until the final whistle and the, the four by four button crosses the line but it, it's it's been a tremendous journey and it's been you know i've been very fortunate to be part of this huge upsurge as you were too catherine you know you, you played an enormous part in that uh, as an athlete um you know just just you know an opportunity to be just part of it you know it's just been incredibly not just humbling but it's been exciting and it's been fun and it's been it's it's taken over everybody's life really it's amazing yeah and i think like you said it's for so many of us it's it's become our world it's grown our life and it's it's ultimately the ultimate privilege because it's we've seen we've seen an amazing part of british history being written through sport and and the last few games, winter and summer, have been record-breaking games, and I think you know we can say they've been successful. But I think increasingly, the more I work within the sport, away from being an athlete, you see, you you appreciate almost increasingly how much work has to go on behind the scenes to make sure that when the performance time comes, every athlete gets the best opportunity they can. So if if we were in normal times, what would you say would be the biggest challenges as a chef de mission that you would face in games time? At games time, I think I think um, it's it's bravery in terms of making the the right decisions at the right time, and it's interesting actually the the postponement of the games and and the IOC came under a bit of criticism from some quarters about you know well surely it's an obvious decision to make and and I think it 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 just a great example of just the complexity of of an Olympic Games and and I was reminded once that when somebody made a a, a decision and I challenged it they said they said Mark this is the outcome of a hundred and hundreds and hundreds of decisions that have come to this particular point. So, and, you know, and, and, and we're the same in terms of, um, in, in terms of how we put, put our campaign together, you know, it, it's what we do is the result of analysis and, um, debate and, and, and cogitation and, and decision-making and, and the games is no different, you know. During the games, you are you 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 are dozens and dozens and dozens of times a day to make decisions, um, and um, you don't always get those decisions right for sure, you know. But but the um, you know the the opportunity to have that um, uh, that position and, and 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 to kind of test your experience and your judgment. Um, always, always for the benefit of the athletes and the benefit of the the, the performance. Um, but you know, you asked, you asked us earlier, you know, kind of you know favourite moments. And I think whilst whilst everybody look, everybody looks at London as uh, you know it, you know a, a great moment in our country's history, and and it was, and and, and certainly sporting history. But I had the pleasure of um, as chef de mission, you you do have the opportunity to guide. Who perhaps might carry the Olympic flag, and that—that's, um, uh, you know, that's that's a great moment. And um, you know, I'm being very serious when I say that when, when I invited Andy Murray to um, uh, to carry the flag, I actually got him out of bed. You know, it was it was a long process of decision making, and he was training the next day, and he had a match the following day, and all this kind of stuff. And um, and and anyway, it was about a quarter to midnight, and he recounts this story as well that. 
I got him out of bed and I invited him to 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 carry the flag on behalf of the team and and, and be almost the champion of the team and and you know not everybody has the opportunity to do that because of the competition schedule and they might be competing within 48 hours and rowing is one of those sports Catherine um but the um just the the humbling way in which he accepted that responsibility uh, you know, somebody who had uh, won two Olympic, uh, sorry, two Wimbledon titles, I think at that time, two Olympic titles. Well, this was his second one. He was Olympic champion going into that. Uh, you know, and obviously, you know, personal wealth and, and all the rest of it. And just the humbling way in which he accepted it, you know, always stands out in my mind as being probably the the best decision I've made, I think, in, in the games, or what you know, one of them. And I know people listening to this will say, well, actually, I had an input into that. But um, uh, Craig Reedy called me immediately after it was announced, uh, Sir Craig Reedy, who you know well, and he said, um, whose decision was that, Mark? And I thought, oh, God, I've made a mistake here. So I said, uh, I said, oh, it was, a, it was a team decision. And he said, oh, we'll take it as your own. It's completely inspired. <laughs> so that was nice. <laughs> And I've always listened to Craig, so there you go. <laughs> it's lovely to reflect back on the, the amazing history we've all enjoyed, but we're now in different times than anything we've ever experienced or ever could have conceived of, to be honest. None of us have lived through a postponement of Olympics and a Paralympics and, and never seen this sort of level of global shutdown we're all experienced across across the planet um, in the middle of real tragedy, you know, real, real tragedy that's affecting people's lives all the time. Within sport itself, we're, you know, there's uncertain times. And, and although we now have new dates for the Olympics and Paralympics, there's still a lot of different planning to be done. As you said before, you know, it's a it's a sort of five year planning campaign. And we were months away from the final step of delivery mm-hmm. for Tokyo. Um, and now that's been shifted by year. But it's probably not as simple as just going, well, everything then moves a year. There's, you know, again, the complexity behind it must be enormous. So what what sort of challenges are you facing now? that this moment yeah it's it's um we we were reflecting earlier it's just been the most complex and um lengthy piece of work that we've had to undertake you know since since the postponement in summary in summary i mean you know the situation worldwide is is extraordinary i mean for many of us we're just seeing numbers on a screen every evening and and we're, we're quite distanced from from that um, from the reality for many people, not just the athlete community, but for many many people, many hundreds of thousands of people across the world. You know, their lives are being torn apart, and 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 so in many respects, it's a very surreal position we're in. And and the postponement of the games, you know, we um, we probably never see the like of of, of that again. Having had the games postponed, it, it is it, it, it was probably the best we could ever hope for that it's been replicated to the day um, a year a year postponed. Um, and I say that because a lot of our uh, in-country footprint was was predicated on either higher education or um, elementary education, and so. The school closures and the university closures mean that our footprint in country, because we're using a, a university site, we're using a, a school as our performance centre, very, very close to the to the Olympic Village. 
um, those elements that we're using, we can keep intact. In, in so on the surface, we are moving it by a year, uh, almost to the day. Um, and so we know the date of the opening ceremony, uh, opening ceremony, we know the date of the village opening, we know when we enter the team, which is called the delegation registration meeting, we know when our final sports entries is, and they're, they're all, you know, they're all um, within 24 hours plus a year to, 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 to 2020. So in that regard, it's been a very simple operation, but we've had to unravel hundreds of contracts to see whether our infrastructure in country can be replicated in, in 2021. And that's taken most of the time. So we've analysed every contract. What What is our contract? You know, have we had and do we have sunk costs in, in those elements and how can we uh, push them back into um, 2021? And on the back of that, we're, we're now um, at the British Olympic Association facing some very difficult financial challenges. And we have um, honoured our commitment to our current sponsors and partners that we, you know, that they want to stay with us through the Tokyo Olympics, which is now 12 months hence. So we can't reopen or renegotiate those categories. So at, at the end of the day, it's the people that you have around us, through, you know, through the Home Country Sports Institutes and, um, you know, your own organisation, Catherine UK Sport and, and, and the BOA. We don't know whether those key people will still be available because now we're running right up against um, home countries wanting to support their their um, uh, nations in the Commonwealth Games in 2022 and so on. So it's it's um, it's a bit of a jigsaw that, that we're working through. But the work that we've done over the last four weeks and the whole team at the BOA has been fantastic. The work that we're doing now, I think, is, is Dennis in, in good, good stead and, and our board have um, absolutely backed the integrity of our plan. Our plan was very good for, for Tokyo. They've backed the integrity of it in a really positive way. So um, the majority, if not all of our programs and, 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 um, and, and planning remains intact. And, and we're working through those bits that, that um, you know, where, where there is just a slight shortfall, we're working through that at the moment. So. In many respects, they're good challenges to have. Um, you know, I'm hoping that the athletes community can stay together, uh, in, in particular those athletes. And, you know, we, we've had a couple that have, um, you know, Tom Warnsley in, in, in rowing has decided, to, you know, that, that an, an additional 12 months is, is not necessary for him. But we're hoping that those that have qualified and, and those that have um one quota places for their sport and, 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 and for the country and for Team GB, we, we hope that they can can stay and remain intact um, for an additional 12 months. Big ask, obviously, but we hope they can. I'm Catherine Granger. This is the Medals and More podcast, and we're talking remotely, of course, during these times of lockdown, with Team GB's chef de mission for Tokyo, Mark England. And for athletes generally, it's you know, the 12 months lay, we've discussed this in a lot of different ways. You know, for some people, it will seem like an eternity for another 12 months. They were coming to the end, perhaps, of a very long period of training and building up. And another 12 months feels like quite a big add on for others, you know, early in their career, perhaps not in the best place right now. I would actually see in a year's time, it gives them a, a potentially better chance. So athletes will be in all sorts of different emotional states, no question. Um, but one of the things that I think is very complex, and there's there's a lot of unanswered questions around is, is how qualification now looks in the build-up to next summer and 
and how much site because a lot of it depends on you know international federations as much as domestic organizations so what sort of how is that looking at the moment from the different pieces coming together for qualification yeah i mean the good news is is you know it's it's um testament to the strength of the high performance system in in, in the country the 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 good news is that great britain had secured a significant number of quoted places before the postponement came and the ioc have um, honored and the international federations have honored to um, to respect those positions with the national olympic committees that, that they've been secured on behalf of so we know today that that um that team gb will be in excess of 300 we were shooting for 375 380 and the great news in that um as i know you're aware that that um, and again the strength of the the, the governing body programs and um, and gender equity is that we were going to take more um, female athletes than male athletes for the first time ever, uh, which is a terrific story. We still think that will be the case. The um, the qualification piece. So we think we've retained over 300 um, Olympic places. It's, it, it may well be um, slightly higher than that, depending on on selection policies from um, from sports. But there is an element that I have yet to qualify, um, not just um, for Team GB, but but right across the globe. And, and globally, it's um, it's 43% of the athlete quota places are still not secure. So that's about 4,000, something like that. As I said, we're, we're kind of on the front foot, so we're in, we're in a good place. But obviously, those sports that haven't yet qualified, we want them to um, to to continue and to secure those those quota places and and, and name places for the team. So at the moment, the International Olympic Committee is working very closely with the International Federations to close those off. They've got a bit of time, obviously, now to do that and, and to think that through. The important thing for British athletes, Catherine, is that they've said that um, there won't be any uh, qualification events um, which um, disadvantages athletes in any way, shape or form. So, so the the preparation and the health of the athlete is, is is paramount, and they're not putting any pressure on the international federations to close those off. And you can see that World Athletics has already postponed any qualification events until the end of 2020. Um, you know, which is a, a positive move. So athletes will begin to know very shortly, I think, what that flow looks like through to um, uh, through to the games next summer. But um, I'm obviously hopeful, um, and, and I'm sure it will be concluded shortly. I'm obviously hopeful that we can outline that to, to sports very shortly. And can you just, just sort of briefly, because I think there is a confusion over why some sports have already been able to name some athletes and they're guaranteed to be in the team next year and some sports can't name the athletes yet and they, they won't be named for, say, another year. And and I think there's a, you know, every sport's in a slightly different situation of how they qualify anyway. So it's not a case of, you know, because one sport has announced their names, then every sport could then do the same. Yeah. <laughs> it, it keeps us all in a job, doesn't it? The complexities of quota places and name places and selected athletes. But the... Um, in some respects, it's quite simple in that um, historically, the sailing team has been the first team in, 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 in the Great Britain um, side in, in Team GB to, to name those athletes. Their qualification comes through the World Championship, so, so they qualified their um, 15 sailors and, and their classes of boats at the World Championships um, last year in, in, in 2019, which meant that they could 
um, name those, those um, sailors and those athletes in the team. And the same for canoe slalom. Um, and the reason that canoe slalom and, um, and sailing have done that is, is to have the best chance of winning medals. Uh, in sailing, you need to be familiar with the wind, the water, the tide, um, and, and, and current and so on, um, uh, you know, of that particular stretch of water. And um, the more runs you have on a canoe slalom course, um, the better your chance of, of securing medals. So those two sports have historically always named their athletes and selected their athletes. They had the opportunity to come back to us with a postponement to, to say, you know, look, We'd like to revisit this and and both sports revisited it and and reconfirmed that those athletes it was fair and equitable that those athletes should be the ones that retained their their places so they now have the opportunity to uh, to train um in those environments um shauna coxie who's um uh, you know the new sport of sport climbing she was a named quota place um and we've also secured a couple of boxers Galal Yafai and and, um, and Peter Peter McRae and and so they um, they're named places as well, but the important thing for, for for sports is that they want their best athletes peaking at the Olympic Games. So um, you know we'll see a a flurry of activity of selections um, between May and um, and June, April and June in 2021. Now where, where those sports know that. You know, putting their foot on the ball for for just another twelve months allows them to be selecting athletes at the peak of their peak of their um, athletic ability and talent, and and bring their all of that to showcase at the games. And are you hearing from from the contact you've had with with other sports or athletes themselves? Are, are, how are you hearing how the mood is? Because there is a complexity, there is a confusion, there is a sort of uncertainty about when people might get back to qualification and when people might even get back to training um and and the games itself sort of hopefully sits in in next summer's slot as planned but is are you getting any feeling of how athletes are coping with with the sort of those uncertainties and complexities at the moment uh, the bits i'm picking up are that they're they're coping exceptionally well um you know we're all very different um some people like to be confined in their homes um operating as as we're doing today um, and others, you know, are social animals and others obviously are, are, are competing in teams and, you know, or crews or, or you know, whatever it happens to be. Um, and that's where the greatest challenges for sure lie. But, you know, you've seen on the, you know, whether it's on the news or podcasts or, uh, you know, just your or one's general engagement with sport, the, the athletes are adapting to the general health and fitness um uh, piece well there's some great advice that's coming through from um, your own organization the English Institute of Sport around um, mental health and well-being and how important that is an opportunity to um, you know take time out you know on a daily basis to make sure that not only are they physically fit and healthy but also that, that mentally they're they're strong and healthy and and, and um, you know are coping with you know what is an extraordinary uh, position for us all. Um, so the bits and pieces that I'm, I'm picking up and seeing and speaking to people, there are one or two who 
certainly struggle because they're very social sociable people and they need to get out and they might be doing some volunteering you know delivering groceries and things like that so you know that then that's a fact they are doing that you know so that they have that social interaction and um and there are others who um you know through the 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 quality of the performance directors and team leaders you know and 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 you know the fantastic coaches that we have you know, are, are ensuring that that there are daily programs that are being adhered to and and are being followed, and 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 so that when the you know when the the lockdown begins to lift and people can begin to get back to to training, that um, you know there is a base level of of um, fitness there that that people can follow through. You know, Catherine, very very difficult for everybody, isn't it? Yeah, and I think everyone's adjusting to the the new abnormal normal that we're. We could be in for a reasonably long period of time. So, I mean, I think you're right. Everyone's got to do what works for them best and, and hopefully mm-hmm. we'll come out this strong mm-hmm. and healthy. And, it and you know, if if it's right and we get back to some sense of hopefully connection and freedom next year, it could be a great summer ahead for all of us. I'm aware that the year after that, 2022, has um, got obviously a Commonwealth Games back in the UK, back in Birmingham, which is fantastic news. Mm-hmm. Uh, you were named as the chef de mission for that as well. I think that'll be your first Commonwealth Games as chef de mission. So that's an exciting project. Does it add a greater challenge, the fact that now within a year you'll be having an Olympics and a Commonwealth Games? You'll be effectively leading the teams on. Yeah, it's um, it's Team England, I should say, rather than the other the home nation. So, um, you know, and, and again, I, I was delighted. And part of the focus of doing it was I always felt that the greater connectivity that... Um, that the, the the wider support team had with with athletes and coaches and staff and the wider support network and 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 performance directors and teammates, that the better that relationship and the stronger that bond, the greater the the kind of culture and and behaviours of the team and and I do believe that that's a performance advantage. So the drive for me to do it and and, and to express an interest in in becoming chef de mission for Team England was not at all that it was a home games or anything like that. It was just having been through the Olympic cycles and then being chef de mission for for Team GB in Rio and then being invited back for Tokyo. You know, that's a four-year four year gap, um, you know, which is obviously now a five-year five gap. It's extraordinary, you know, people are walking past you in the Olympic Village and, you know, they're wearing the same... Uh, you know the same team kit as you, and 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 yet you you know you, you wouldn't necessarily know who they are. And, you know it was a big flaw I think in our in our delivery, and and there's a there's a natural consequence to it. Um, you know, so I I just felt that um, I felt that if the BOA and, and and I were involved in Tokyo, and then um, can move on to um, uh, supporting predominantly a, a cohort of similar athletes and support staff and team leaders and performance directors in in Birmingham, you know that that would be better for Team GB. Um, as a whole, and and so that was the drive for me doing that. Um, it's got more complicated, hasn't it? Because it's not just the Olympic Games that's been pushed a year closer, but um, the World Athletics has been pushed within a week. <laughs> so, um, so you know whether there's movement in in Birmingham by either a few days or a week, and on the back of the Commonwealth Games, there's the European Championships. Which in itself, for some sports, is um, you know our ranking and qualification p- 
points and and places for Paris 2024. So the whole the whole calendar in 21 is um, you know is extraordinary, is tight, is it's constrained, and athletes I think will be having to make some you know very very difficult choices between. Um, whether they go to a world championship or a European championship or whether they want to be part of a, a home Commonwealth Games and, and, you know, everything that was great about London can be replicated in Birmingham again. So, um, you know, it's uh, it, it, it'll be an interesting, interesting time, I think, for, um, you know, for, for everybody involved. But, you know, I'm, I'm hopeful that, that I can still be involved. Um, that's my desire that, um, you know, that the constraints of the, the programming that allows me to do that. I would still like to do that and think I've got something to offer Team England. I hope so anyway. You do. Exciting times ahead, hopefully, if everything goes according to plan. Like you said, it, it ultimately will come down to decision making for every individual along that journey. Last thing I want to ask about, and it's back to Tokyo itself. I know it's probably a twofold question. I know how much time you spent out in Tokyo. I know you've, you're a big fan of the city. I know you're a big fan of the culture and the, the country, Japan itself, and the challenges they'll now face in the delay and the postponement of the Games. Um, but could you give us an idea of, from your experience there, what Tokyo will be like as a host country for these Games? And the second bit is probably, considering it could be potentially the first sort of big global get together if it is post the coronavirus what meaning it could have next year i think that incredible people um and and actually i was there um four or five weeks ago and 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 when we um you know when we were leaving each particular um you know kind of operational planning venue that we had they were you know, it was almost as if they'd never see us again. Um, people were very emotional. Um, they knew that uh, as we were there, this was unfolding, although it had been in China for, for a month or, or, or two, this was now unfolding into a, a global pandemic as it, as it now is. And people were very emotional. So I think, um, you know, wonderful country, wonderful people. And I think that what you'll see next year is, is this, just huge relief and huge welcoming and huge explosion of excitement and um, and opportunity to to show what is best I think in um, in in world sport to show what is best in in their country in terms of hosting something like this and I can't help thinking um, that it it will amongst all of that excitement it will just be quite an emotional time I think I think it'll be a very very emotional time as people actually understand what a lot of people have been through and come out of and the the outcome being that that an Olympic Games and everything that stands for an Olympic Games and everything that is broader than that just the sport within an Olympic Games and within the Olympic movement just an enormous um uh, emotional outpouring I think um, at the time you know it it's emotional enough as it is <laughs> you know, it's it's you know not just for athletes I mean it's emotional for everybody as you well know and um, you know I think this will only be heightened and that that acuteness will be will be very present there I think well it's a nice thought thinking in well a little over a year's time we could all be physically back together celebrating 
that incredible summer hopefully ahead. Um, Mark, it's an absolute pleasure as always. On behalf of everyone who's a fan of the Olympic Games, thank you for everything you've done over the past no. 10 Olympic Games so far. I hope there's many more stretching ahead and uh, all we can say is good luck with the next few months. It's not going to be simple, but I think it'll be good. Thank you, Catherine. You've been very kind. My pleasure. This is Medals and More, getting behind the scenes of Olympic and Paralympic sport. Download and subscribe and you won't miss a moment.